It is the 200 level, my carpenter in the basement studio on a Wednesday afternoon. Kind of a weird time to do a podcast, I know, but we have not done a midweek podcast in quite a while. There's been so many games, and we do the second half reactions, and in the mix of that, we can talk about some of the larger things going on with the team. But in this particular case, uh, you know, with a week off, finally we can kind of hit the reset button, talk about what we've seen, and what we hope to happen going forward. And when we do these midweek podcasts, sometimes I try to think of a way to get listener interaction, feedback, comments, things like that. And I was going to ask a question, basically, what are you expecting the rest of the year or, you know, what would be a successful season? And and then the more I thought about it, to the second question, I think we all know a successful year is making a run in March, somehow, some way. And that the answer to the first question about, well, what do you expect this year? I think we all expect this team to win 14, maybe 15 games in the Big Ten. Are they going to win it? Probably not. It would take a lot. And as much as I like this team, they are not to the level of Purdue. Though I think they can beat Purdue when they come here in early March. I actually wanted to talk about something that I broached at the very beginning of this season, which is Brad Underwood. And the long-term kind of prospects and what we think and feel about Brad Underwood's tenure at Illinois. And this year, I think for some, myself included, has went a long way in solidifying a lot of feelings that we have about Brad Underwood, specifically positive feelings. And I guess what got me thinking about this is last night, so this is Tuesday night, I see Ohio State give up damn near 50 points in the second half to Indiana. And yes, we had our own issues with Indiana. That was not a very good game by Illinois. But this is a Chris Holtman, Ohio State team that was desperate for a win. They were at home. They had an 18-point lead, and they blew it. He's, he's toast. Chris Holtman. And I remember as recently as a couple years ago thinking, man, what if they got the right guy? What if they got a better coach than Brad Underwood? I look at Michigan. They can't hold a second-half lead to save their lives. And... I have this weird feeling. I'm going to get this out of the way, and it might sound foolish. I have this weird feeling that Jawan's got one more stupid win in him, and why not tonight at home against Wisconsin after Wisconsin loses a big home game against Purdue? That's an, that's an aside, but think about that. Jawan Howard, he's toast, or at least should be. We'll see. And I'm thinking about the contemporaries of Underwood that are already on their way out at programs that have had historically some basketball success. So here we are with an Illinois basketball program that I think you could say is certifiably the second best program in the Big Ten and has been for the last few years. I know there is the stat that you have the most Big Ten wins of anybody, but I think we would agree, if we're being objective about it, that Purdue the last two years has supplanted you as the best Big Ten program, right? But we're having that discussion. We aren't just having discussions about hey, is Brad Underwood's team going to make the tournament? And I recall distinctly, after the John Gross era, priority number one, make the tournament consistently again. Well, we're doing that, and we don't have to sweat that out at all. And this would be five years in a row if COVID hadn't happened, five tournaments in a row where you are not sweating Selection Sunday in the least. No bubble teams for Brad Underwood, not even last year. Not a bubble team. So it got me thinking about, you know, the guy at the helm, the guy that's leading this whole thing, and how Illini fans feel about it. So I sent out a couple feelers on Twitter today, and we had a poll 
to try to just get some numbers. Had about 350 responses to that. We had some more specific comments and feedback about it as well. On the whole, overwhelmingly positive. And I would admit that a year ago, I was in a weird bit of limbo, almost, with Brad Underwood, feeling like the wheels were coming off of last year's team and that, oh God, what if we had missed striking while the iron was hot? What if we had missed our window? Because windows can be fleeting in sports. And what if there was just kind of a lack of, not to borrow this term, but a lack of institutional control? It just seemed like we had a lot of attrition with players. We had a lot of off-the-court things that were kind of trickling into on-the-court issues. And yet here we are in what I think has been his best coaching job along with his Big Ten title year two years ago when he went 15-5 and in conference with a team that was good, but by no metric great. You know, 20th on Ken Palm. That's pretty good. But they won the Big Ten. So I sit here feeling, I guess, gratitude. Is that fair to say about the basketball program? And that after a stretch from 2007 to 2019, you were irrelevant. And you would get comments from commentators remembering when Illinois was actually a part of college basketball and and in the conversation for good seeds in the NCAA tournament and always in the conversation for the Big Ten, always in the mix. And for over a decade, we didn't have that. And now we do. And furthermore, it seems like with the recruits coming in and the ability that Underwood has shown to work the portal to his advantage, you'll be hanging in that top four of the Big Ten for the foreseeable future. We all know what the albatross is here. It's March success. That's the thing. And I get it. I'm with you on that. If you're one of those that is not willing to grant him, I don't want to say immunity, but if you are not quite there as far as just praising him outright because you're just so ticked off about Loyola and you're leery that there's going to be this lack of March success, I get it. And I am with you in many respects. But I'm also the mindset that you get enough bites of the apple, you will eventually break through. One more point before we hit up the sponsors and then hit up what you guys said. Plus, we got to talk about a big game at Michigan State, which I will be at. Karen and I are going to go up there. I'll see Isaac up there. He's going with a friend and a big opportunity for Illinois. But one last point I wanted to make about Underwood that has impressed me in particular this year. The Terrence Shannon Jr. situation is a mess, to say the least, right? I mean, we literally have a rape charge against an Illinois player. And there was the federal decision that brought him back, and that's pretty much what we're going to operate with going forward. I mean, there's not anything, even the OSCR from the university, that takes time. And he gets due process with that to an extent. So Terrence will probably be playing through the rest of the year. But to think about what happened on, what was that, December 28th, 29th, when that broke, and here we are on February 7th, and what has been an absolutely crazy five, six weeks of of basketball and off-the-court things, if I were to say that Brad Underwood kept this team together, that's almost overly simplistic. That's not great analysis. But he has. What's impressed me even more is the way that he has handled this situation and talked about it. And the way that as the head of the basketball program, he has managed to avoid some of the same pitfalls as, let's say, Nate Oates 
from Alabama did last year with the Brandon Miller situation. I kind of hesitate to bring that up because it's apples and oranges and two very different cases. But Nate Oates got in a lot of hot water, and understandably so, because he said some insensitive and tone-deaf things in press conferences when asked about it. He was not exactly PR 101 trained ahead of time, or at least if he was, it didn't take. I think the way that Underwood has represented the program, and then to a larger extent the university, of which I am an alum, and I'm about to get my master's degree here in a bit too. I have so many things tied in with this university, having grown up in Champaign-Urbana as well, that, yeah, I want to win first and foremost. Lon and I always talk about winning is paramount. I'm okay with the, you know, a few gray areas as long as they win. I, I still believe that. But it is nice to feel like when it comes to the sort of tenor that you want from your leaders and the faces of your program and, by extension, your university, this has, I think, been Brad's best job yet. And I don't know if it's just an example of someone finally figuring out their their role and their fit and what works for them at their job. I mean, I'm year six as a teacher, and I feel more comfortable than ever at that job. I feel like I'm more myself in that environment than I've ever been. And I would imagine year seven for Brad Underwood, he has found a bit of equilibrium with this program and how he runs it. And that, to me, more than just the fact this team has surpassed my expectations on the court, has been very encouraging when I try to project this long-term and think, okay, if Brad Underwood's here for a while, how good of a thing is that for Illinois basketball? And the more I think about it, the more I think that's a really good thing to have. And hey, there's work to be done. There's there's games they got to win. There's tournament games they got to win, for God's sakes, before we can really fully ingratiate ourselves, I would imagine as a fan base, to the idea of Underwood being here for the long haul. But man, every indicator, for the most part, seems to say that you have someone that in a very tumultuous period of college basketball has navigated it about as well as anybody. When in March, and that guy is going to be the toast of the town, right? I mean, and it can happen. And it can happen this year. But as we sit here already, what he's accomplished and what he's amassed and how he's brought this program back to relevancy, I think is something worth talking about. And that's what we're going to do today. Before I get too far ahead, got to remind you the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign Urbana. So give them a call. Or sorry, don't give them a call. Go online at dpdoe.com. And uh, the cool thing about it is when you order, Online, you get the option of custom zones with any topping you want or favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. They deliver a piping hot calzone right to your doorstep. That is dpdo.com. Also, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend, or the rising cost of goods, unpredictable weather, and seasonal depression. Are they getting you feeling down? They, they have me. If, if it wasn't sunny outside the last few days, I might have gone insane. Well, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing can brighten your winter blues. Get this $1,000 offer. Okay, off of any Bradford White water heater, Renai tankless water heater, or Bosch mini split unit when you buy a Lennox home comfort system. So not only do they do heating and air conditioning, but these tankless water heaters, which I was first introduced to in an episode of Breaking Bad, these things are sick. So we can speak from experience, my wife and I, that Dogtown has been RHVAC people for a while. They will be for the foreseeable future. 
Give them a call, $1,000 in savings when you give them a call today at 217-841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Owen Builders, LLC. I'm on owenbuildersllc.com. Now, if you go online to their website, you're going to see some of their great work, and there is a lot of it to look at. you got home additions, patios, and decks, among other things that they can do, and you can get a free quote by going online to owenbuildersllc.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen, online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. Uh, one thing I mentioned before is this really cool app that we got for free from State Farm. It's called Ting, T-I-N-G, and it monitors your home electrical system. And for an old 100-year-old home like we have, it's nice to know that you got that extra peace of mind making sure that one of the things which can cause property damage, and lots of it, fires, home fires, electrical fires. So just one more th- way that State Farm helps protect your home. That's State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Also, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate them. Now, there's going to be a pause in the audio of this podcast because my phone, which is also the uh, the camera for the feed, I feel like there's a smudge on the camera lens. So I'm just going to go over here and do that. This is live podcasting at its best. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's a little bit better. We're back. Okay, what we did today is to try to solicit some listener feedback and get you guys involved with the podcast as best we can, and we try to do that every so often, is ask you on a scale of one to 10, your satisfaction level with Brad Underwood. Now, I didn't want to give too many other, you know, uh, what would we call them, parameters. I just kind of want to leave it open-ended and see what people were thinking and feeling about Brad Underwood at this point in his seventh season. And we are well over the halfway point and basically just over the halfway point in Big Ten play. So here's what we got. Um, what I did first was, well, I, what I did later today, I should say, is put a poll up on Twitter to try to just get some raw numbers and get an idea where Illini fans are at. So on a scale of one to 10, rate your satisfaction level with Brad Underwood as Illini basketball coach. Here are the options people had to choose from. Nine or 10, eight, seven, six or under. So 350 votes, 1.4%, six or under. So these people are really probably focusing on, I would guess, in-game coaching issues and also the lack of March success. Okay, fair. I mean, that's why I put the option up there. Seven, 6.1. Eight, 45% of respondents said an eight on a scale of one to 10. 47.4% said a 9 or a 10. If you've ever heard the term Q rating before, which is, you know, popularity, uh, his Q rating is pretty high with the Lana fans right now in this unscientific poll. Okay. I got to admit, I'm a little bit surprised. And I thought that 7 or 8, and especially 8, would be by far, in a way, the, the most picked option, but nine or 10. I mean, that tells me that people are not just feeling pretty good about Brad Underwood, but they want him to be the guy long-term. Okay. So that was the poll that we sent out. Now, earlier in the day, I had opened up the listener mailbag, which we haven't done in about a month and asked that same question. And then I added a couple of little parameters, I suppose, or follow-ups. 
has your scale or rating changed since the start of this basketball season? And what excites and concerns you the most going forward? So, I'll start with mine. I'm at an 8. And I'm at probably a strong 8. Yes, there are in-game things that I, I worry about sometimes or, or am concerned about. I thought that, take the Nebraska game, we could nitpick certain things that he did or did not do, the timeouts that he did or did not take, certain rotational things. We, we can do all that or, or not making quick enough adjustments defensively when a guy is going off. It is an advantageous to be in, advantageous position to be in, where we can nitpick but also do so with a team that is 17-5, and five, top 10 in Ken Palm, and come March, we'll be a team that not many others would want to play. That That's a good spot to be in. So I want to make sure to balance the valid criticisms and even concerns of Brad Underwood as a coach with the good, right? And I think we can have two hands, right? The good and the bad. But I'm in a solid eight. And I was having a discussion with friends in a group thread today about that. And a couple of them were a little bit more... Oh, I don't know. Cynical is not the right word, but they were a little bit less generous in their rating than I was or a couple other friends because they were focusing on the March success or lack thereof, and that Illinois historically has been a pretty good program. But here's my big thing, and I don't want to lose sight of this. Brad Underwood is much more of a Lou Henson than a Lon Kruger, Bill Self, or early Bruce Weber. The program he inherited was not all that dissimilar from what a Lou Henson inherited. Maybe Lou Henson inherited a complete dearth of anything. But really, Illinois basketball had some good runs in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. So it's not as if they were a doormat. They just had been not so good for the three or four years before Henson got there. The thing for Underwood is that he had to basically reconstitute a basketball program worth a damn after 12 years of being irrelevant. Not completely irrelevant. You know, John Gross's first team got a lot of love and they were a lot of fun. He, I think, did a pretty good job coaching that team as far as maximizing aspects of them, right? The one that lost to Miami in the second round. Bruce Weber had the two, three-year stretch with Dimitri and Mike Davis and Mike Tisdale and the early years of Brandon Paul and DJ Richardson where maybe this could work, maybe not. Never quite took, right? Not completely irrelevant, but not relevant in a national conversation. Brad Underwood's been relevant and Illinois basketball's been relevant in a national conversation now for five straight seasons. 2019-20, okay, that was the start of it. 21, 22, 23, 24. Five in a row. And with the likes of Amores Johnson and in 2025 getting, oh boy, Jeremiah Fears and knowing his ability to attract talent in the portal and... Illinois substantial NIL bankroll, especially for basketball. I think you should feel good as an Illini fan that he is going to field top 25 caliber teams consistently. Now, I'm in an A because of that. I'm in an A because he's got two tangible things in the rafters with the Big Ten tournament title and a Big Ten regular season title. And you could argue that you should have been granted that one for 2021. I think you should have. But you have tangible signs of success. You've got rings. And of course, we want bigger and better rings. But for the time being, for what he inherited, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Why an eight instead of a nine or 10? Listen, it's, it is about March. We know that. We accept that. 
it's the the best and the worst thing about college basketball that we take the single elimination tournament that is so fun but also so so crushing for most teams. But as I was thinking about it, we're asking him to get the second weekend and I think that's a fair thing to ask. We need to see better performances in March. But also I had to remind myself that in my fandom, I can remember four trips to the second weekend, four total because I was too young for the 89 team. So I'm not I'm not going to use that even though I was born. I was 3 or 2 going on 3. 01, 02, 04 and 05. 01, 02, 04, 05. Sweet 16. Lon Kruger never did it. Lou Henson didn't do it after 89. Bill Self didn't do it his third year. Bruce Weber didn't do it after his second year. So we can't just say that Brad Underwood is, well, he took Illinois over, he brought them back to relevancy, but he's not having the March success of his predecessors. That's not true. His predecessors weren't having all that much success either, except for Bill Self and early Bruce Weber that was working with Bill Self's players. So just wanted to throw that out there. That's why it's an 8, not a 10. March matters. It matters a lot. But as Illini fans, I also don't want to lose sight of the fact that we don't go to the second weekend all that often. I want to change that. And, you know, do you have a coach that's capable of doing that? I guess that remains to be seen. But I think he is capable of doing that. And it's just about getting enough bites at the apple, which it looks like he will consistently get. Now, before I get to the Twitter responses here, I have a few things in the chat window that'll help first. And thank you all for joining me at what is a random time on a Wednesday afternoon, admittedly. Okay, so this is from Chief. More than happy with Brandon Under... Brandon Under... Jeez, you just said BU. I don't want to say Brandon Underwood. Brad Underwood, give him a nine. Stephen Pearsall said... Underwood is arguably the most successful portal transfer coach at this point. No other coach has the depth and quality of transfers that have been brought in by Illinois. I mean, he's up there, Stephen, and that's why I'm very encouraged going forward. Even uh, uh, Matthew Meyer, who drove me nuts, was a huge portal win. So I would agree with that. As Stephen continues, also last year was a chemistry issue, and it's kind of amazing they made the tournament in spite of it. And he gives him an eight or a nine. Okay. Let's get to the tweets and the responses from people. From Jacob, eight. He's looked at this program from the bottom half of the Big Ten to a major player nationally. The in-game coaching leaves a lot to be desired, but the talent will eventually punch us through in March. I tend to agree with this, Jacob. I'm not going to pretend like he's a perfect in-game coach. And I think he's a better coach at adjusting in-season and adapting to the talent on a macro level, but not always in a micro in-game level. But... An eight for Jacob as well. From Zane, also an eight. I'm excited to see how the team continues to bounce back amid outside noise. They just need to play smarter to close out games. When TSJ, Hawkins, and Damascus are firing on all cylinders, the trio is one of the best units in the country. Saturday will be a big test. I would agree with that, Zane. I think that those three together present a lot of problems for opponents. And when it comes to the games in March, those three are going to be on the court basically every single minute. You, you never really feel bad when those three are on the court together. You feel like you got a shot against basically anybody. This is from Adam. Eight, lacks March success, but running the program, current recruiting, and sheer wins have to be taken into consideration. From Daniel, nine, it has indeed changed this year. Last April, I likely, likely would have said seven or eight, 
but he did it again, putting this roster together. No one else in the Big Ten currently has this level of consistent success with non-continuous rosters. My concern, the second weekend, needs to make it. All fair. And you would mention the continuous success, or sorry, Daniel, the consistent success with non-continuous rosters. Something to note. And yes, some of that transfers out of the program. But in another way, Daniel, this year, the transfers that have left, the Jaden Epps and the, oh boy, RJ Melendez and the Andre Corbellos and the Sky Clarks, the Adam Millers. I was on a podcast with Cody Del Mondo, who does an Illini podcast, and he's with CHGO Sports up in Chicago. We got to talking about Adam Miller and just the confounding case of why would you leave Illinois to just go have a nondescript college career, which is what he's essentially having. And uh, I think that, to me, seeing these guys leave and not be all that great, or if they are, they're really just stat stuffers on awful teams, it's not schadenfreude. I don't wish ill on any of those guys, but it doesn't necessarily make Brad Underwood look like the bad guy. The one that doesn't and will never make sense is Brandon Podjimski. It just won't. And that's a miss. And that's a mark against Underwood. But Jaden Epps, eh. Andre Curbelo, no, that, guy, that guy's nuts. I feel bad, but he is. Adam Miller, no. What are you going to do? You start him every freaking game. And then Sky Clark. Scott Clark, he's out for one game. Louisville wins by 25 points. Not saying he's some sort of like clubhouse cancer, but there's something amiss with Sky. From Brent, 7.5. Certainly good results during the season. And I guess it really depends on how we each individually define success. I see a lot of comments regarding the coming soon nature of March success. My issue is that with teams he's had, should it take six plus years to get there? No. Brent, I did this exercise with Trevor and Isaac on our chat thread. And Trevor was making the point that maybe, other than Loyola, the tournament or or lack of success isn't as awful as you would think. Because losing to Houston, let's say in 2022, they were really good. Ken Palm, all the metrics, loved Houston. You were in it late, uh, but really that was a team that was just better than you. You can swallow. To me, the Houston loss didn't sting that much. You almost lost to Chattanooga. I think that's the second worst performance this team has had in the NCAA tournament. Uh, And that came before the Houston game. The Arkansas game last year. Yeah, not good. And it was a merciful end to a very frustrating season. Loyola is the one. If they beat Loyola, I think everybody's score goes up a point. And, I mean, who knows what would happen after that. That was a bite of the apple that you you should have done more with and you didn't. And that is why the March thing feels so consequential. In a way, it's like Underwood's a victim of his own success because year four, he got a team to a one seed in the NCAA tournament and then flamed out. So it's like this meteoric rise from... Most losses in program history his second year to number one seed in the NCAA tournament his fourth year. But they just couldn't put it together in that one Sunday morning. I mean, what was it, 11-15 tip? Just an awful day. Just terrible. But it matters and it lingers. There's no doubt about that. From Gas House, 
Navigating today's college sports and being consistently successful is a hard task with NIL and transfer portals with kids committing and decommitting on a whim or a phone call. I think he's doing a fantastic job and will continue adapting to keep the program in upper echelon convos. Gas House, I agree with a lot of that, most of it. NIL, transfer portals, that's really the thing now, and it does seem like he's navigating that really well. And because of that, yeah, you mentioned upper echelon. I think in the Big Ten especially. And he's also in an advantageous position because a guy like a Tom Izzo, who is probably in the last few years of his career, I I don't want to speak for him, but would he be shocked if Tom Izzo's not there in five years? And he's not willing to do the NIL thing. And the transfer portal all that much. And that's that's his decision, and that's fine, but it's not helping Michigan State. They're going to be good because Tom Izzo knows how to get his guys, and he knows how to run a program, but they're not they're going to have a lot harder time being great. I think that the the flexibility of a Brad Underwood in adapting to the situation, that has been a huge bonus for this program the last few years. Travis is nine. Only thing missing is March success. Number one, chair shot villain. What a name. I give him an eight. For as frustrated as I get with this team, they still win more than they lose and are top two in the league over the past four years. Excites me. TSJ finding his pre-suspension rhythm. So this is a question, what excites or concerns you the rest of the year? Concern, the defense's regression. They were so good early. Yeah, I'm right there with you, number one chair shot villain, on both of those. From Ben, last year I had him as a three. Whoa. I've changed my opinion as his much improved roster construction abilities have transformed the team. In game, six. Agree with other responses that I just don't see clear and obvious changes when a pivot in strategy is needed. Packing in defense when Indiana wasn't shooting threes, for example. Big picture, eight. He has finally seemingly figured out how to build a better roster or build a roster in a new era of college basketball. Great post, Ben. And I would agree that, yeah, it seems like the macro is his strength. And the micro is where we have most of our concerns. From six shooter, an eight. No further comment, just, just an eight. Thanks, six. From Drew, nine. I will never get the gross years out of my head and how inept those teams were. He's not perfect, and I want more in the postseason, but being a relevant basketball team with loads of talent is so much fun. Yes, I think this is his best season. Has been keeping the talent coming. I, Drew, would appear, would uh, agree, excuse me, with the assessment that this has been his best coaching job so far. Now, there, there was games left to play, so that, that can be subject to change. But at this point in 2022, I didn't necessarily think it was his best coaching job. It was because they closed out the season strong enough to win a Big Ten title, and then you reflect on that team and think, yeah, they were good, but they weren't elite. And he got a Big Ten title with that team. Alani Blue Guy. In Game 5, he is average. Oh, wait, sorry. Let me read this here. In in game coaching, 5. He is average at actual coaching compared to others in the Big. But running a program, 9. He built us back up by recruiting the right players and assist. Assistant coaches. So I guess we'll mix those together. Blue guy, we'll call it a seven. Phillips says a nine. Tyler says, I hope our fans know how lucky we are to have Brad Underwood. Nothing but success and tournament bids. Tournament success will come. And from final on I, 10. Give the man a lifetime contract. Big fan. Got a few more things here in the chat window. From S. Baptist, Baptist Art? S. Baptist Art. I think I got that right. I worry that his lack of success in March is due to his stubbornness with in-game adjustments. If he could correct that, I think he would be considered easily one of the best coaches in the country. You know, that stubbornness you mentioned, the Loyola game being an example of that. 
it just felt like, God, I, mean, I don't know, try something. This is the end. This is it, right? If you lose this game, it's over. There just seemed to be a lack of urgency in that game and not really changing anything or trying anything new. You got to a certain point against them where you just had to throw stuff against a wall and see what happened. The thing that encouraged me recently as Baptist art is going back to the Ohio State game and in the first half when he put a, a lineup out there that included Imani Hansberry and DGL. Damas stayed out there. Maybe Ty and somebody else. And maybe Dane. Dane got a lot of minutes there. He was trying new things with the rotation and saying, if if we aren't going to play defense, then these guys will get up there. And it, it helped. It turned the game around before halftime and really changed the entire complexion of that. And then they kind of ran away with it late in the second half. So I, I, I really appreciate when I see things like that because it tells me that, yes, he can make adjustments in-game. And I guess the only, the only thing that's really sticking with me is the fact that every game there seems to be a record performance from somebody on the other team. And I understand the math game, and I know that Jeremy and Mike Latulip have talked about this in the Illini Inquirer podcast. I understand the math game of if they got a big that can score, that's fine. Let him score, and then they're shooting less threes. I get the math game, but I also don't want to give the other team's best offensive option the ability to get rolling because that's eventually going to open things up for other people, I would think. You're winning most of these games, so it's not a calamitous issue, but I that's one kind of philosophy that I don't think needs to be all or nothing. I think you can balance the, hey, we'll let that guy get a certain amount without letting the other guys beat us, but at the same time, not letting that one guy go for 30-some. From Chief Alano, like 77. No coach can go full, quote, red ass, end quote, like Coach Underwood. Some weaker players cannot handle that and have transferred out. Those that stay have gotten stronger. He's learned to tone down his red-ass performances. He has, Chief Illini Wex 77, he has toned it down. I don't mind some fire, but I, I think that it's best when used sparingly. And we saw that in the Nebraska game. And we saw that in the Maryland game, though nothing was waking the team from their, their slumber that day. He's not been very red-ass this year. He, he just hasn't. I think he's content with the team he has and the guys and and the energy level that they're bringing and the focus that they have. He likes his team, and I think that's showing in the fact that he has not had to be too red-assed, for lack of a better term. From AO, the Underwood love is out of this world this season, and that's fine. He'll be judged in March. As a fan base, we don't realize how we put all this season stock on one-year rentals, and because of that, we don't develop the freshman sophomores, which in turn will probably be bad the next few years. If he doesn't make at least Elite Eight, was it really worth it? Hey, well, I'm glad you brought that. That's a really good point. One thing I try to do, and uh, I don't always succeed at this, is I try to avoid being too one or the other or hyperbolic. Again, I fail at, at that often. But, you know, I was critical of Underwood last year, and then this year I, I'm less so. But it is true that this season is built on one-year rentals, Right. It is true, and that you are potentially sacrificing the development of some of the younger guys because of that, and that could have an adverse effect on next year's roster. That is also true. It concerned me building this roster, and when they didn't get Ray J. Dennis, I thought, well, this is all fine and good, but your ceiling is severely limited because of that. The way the season has unfolded, AO, here's why I'm a little bit more optimistic than I was, because your assessment I 100% agreed with beforehand, and it could still bear out to be true. To me, it is the fact that the guys he was able to target 
a Marcus Damask, a Justin Harmon, and a Quincy Guerrier. And the fact that he now kind of has a track record of keeping guys for an extra year, Io, extra year, Kofi, extra year, though he should come back a senior year, but that's on Kofi. <laughs> um, and then now Terrence and, and Coleman. That's a track record now. So let's say you run into that same situation with Ty, and you might say, Ty Rogers, NBA prospect? I don't know. I, Ty's becoming a really good player, and if he has anything resembling a jump shot, yeah, I think so. But let's say we get to that point, and you can get an extra year with Ty. It wouldn't surprise me if you get the same thing from him. There is a track record with that. So going forward, I think the ability to retain, that can remain consistent with him. The question then becomes, when you lo- lose those one-year rentals, and you have to continually add another three or four pieces year after year, what kind of success can you really bank on? And I would be more concerned about that if the entire nature of college basketball wasn't going that direction. And that Underwood has already had a lot of practice in having to rebuild rosters or reload, really more to the point, each and every year. He's got a lot of practice at that. He's He knows how the portal works and he seems to manage and navigate it very well. I think that's the reality going forward. You know, next year you do have some continuity with the Ty Rogers, Sincere Harris coming back, and I think he'll be a great defensive stopper for you. DGL will be, if not the starting point guard, your backup point guard, and I think that we'll feel okay with that as well. Amani Hansberry, if it weren't for the back spasms, he'd be playing this year. He'd be playing a decent amount. And uh, Morris Johnson is a freshman, but yeah, you bet. He's going to have to go out. He's going to have to get scores. I think the, the athletes are there. He's going to have to get scores, and he's going to have to get veteran guys. Can he attract them in here? I think so. Between the NIL and the, the talent you're going to have already and the ability to say, hey, we, we got a lot of talent. We just don't have a lot of scores. That's going to be really attractive for some people. And I also think that this year, the, the ability to identify, let's say, a Marcus Damask and ad- identify him early and get it done. That's not a Matthew Meyer situation. It'd be one thing if he was only swinging for Matthew Myers and the Ray J. Dennis's, the guys that appear in the top 10 transfer portal list every year. If he is, and I would imagine he is, already looking at potential transfers for next year and identifying when that guy hits the market, he's coming here. I bet there's a big board at the oven right now that has a list of all the guys that they're targeting or ready to target when they get their name out there. I just feel a little less concerned about that than I have before. So... Ao, I'm glad you brought up that point because I, I, I try not to go one way or the other too much. I am high on Underwood and the prospects of this basketball program higher than I was last year, which was a major disappointment and raised a few alarms. But I think that on the whole, when you look at his skill set as a coach and what he's good at, it, it plays well for the college basketball environment that we are in at the moment and for the foreseeable future. This transfer portal thing, the NIL thing, that's not going anywhere. That's the reality, and I'm glad that we have... I mean, I'll ask you this question genuinely. For the next five years, would you rather have Tom Izzo in the way he runs a program or Brad Underwood in the way he runs a program? I'm saying that to you all because I wouldn't say it to my wife. <laughs> she does As a Spartan, she wouldn't, she wouldn't hear that. And I get it because of past success, but let me ask that question again. The next five years, who would you rather have running your program given this college basketball environment? Brad Underwood, or Tom Izzo. And I would actually venture to say Brad Underwood might be the right answer given what we've seen the last few years, 
the continuing emergence of having to use the portal and NIL to attract talent. I think you're going Brad Underwood. And that's not saying he's a better X's and O's coach. That's not saying he's without fault or or sometimes glaring fault, flaws that can make you crazy, right? But I think on the whole, if we're talking complete package, he's got, he checks most boxes. And I, I go back to what I said at the beginning of this episode and why, what I said to some of my friends that were a little bit more or not as up on Underwood as me and a few others. And a lot of you, apparently, according to the poll. I'm grateful for the fact that now a lot of basketball seasons matter again. I'm grateful for the fact that I get to go to a Michigan State-Illinois basketball game at the Breslin Center. And Illinois, for the first time since 2006, in early February, is ranked in the top 10. Robert Rosenthal found that stat, and he, he tweeted it out. And yeah, I don't love everything he does, but the guy knows his numbers. The guy finds these things. He is an astute statistician. Think about that. 2006 was the last time that on February 7th, we had a top 10 basketball team. The number one seed year in 2021, you were still just outside the top 10 at this point. Then you went on a run. Pretty sure it was within a week or two that you got back in the top 10 after uh, losing Ohio State, Maryland games at home. And you, you got back in it. 2022, they were not in the top 10. You go back to, well, certainly last year they were not. But there you go, right? It's been 18 years since you were top 10 in the nation on this calendar day. I mean, that says a lot. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the fact that we have nine games left in the Big Ten. We're eight and three. We probably aren't going to win the Big Ten because you have one of the best Big Ten teams of recent memory in Purdue that's going to run away with it. I'm okay with that. We're going to keep getting bites of the apple. We're going to keep getting talent. And we're going to occasionally get a banner. And we're hopefully, as you all have made reference to, we're going to finally break through in March. I mean, yes, that is what it's about. I hope beyond hope that this team just makes the second weekend. Can you imagine the weight off shoulders? If we watch a second round game and Illinois looks sharp, they look good, they win by seven or eight, we get a whole week to talk about the Sweet 16. That alone would be a weight off. Oh, look, yeah, he can win in March. And then I would think that would only help you attract more talent the next offseason. God, I hope they do. But you know, at the same time, I don't want the season to, I don't want to fast forward to that. I'm enjoying this team. I'm enjoying this ride. There's been frustrating moments. There's been scary moments, like the Nebraska game. Shouldn't have choked. Thank God you won. But the fact is you're winning. And that is, if there's one word I can say for Brad Underwood, or not one word, but one thing he does really well, he wins a lot of games. I don't want to take that for granted. I'm not going to take that for granted because as some of you have noted, we went through the tail end of the Weber era and the gross years. Never take winning for granted. We're we're in a good spot. Not perfect, not elite. But as far as the Big Ten is concerned, there's only one program right now that's in better shape than you, and that's Purdue. That's a pretty good place to be. And hey, by the way, for basketball, yeah. Washington, UCLA, USC, Oregon, no. Yes, football, and and (laughs) do I even bring up football today? Yeah, that's going to be a problem. But basketball, nah, bring them in. Add some wins. Take some nice West Coast trips out to the nice warm weather in California. Even more attractive for you. Hey, guys, we we get to go play a Pauley Pavilion 
in UCLA every so often. Not a bad gig. Uh, real quick, before I lose sight of that, football lost another assistant today. Charlie Bulin goes, or Bolin, Bulin, whatever, outside linebackers coach, back to the NFL. Four vacancies right now, or three vacancies and four coaches have left since the end of last offseason, or the end of the regular season. I I don't like where things are going, and we're going to save that for a, a longer podcast when basketball season's over, or when any of us even really care about football. Now is not really the time for that, but any momentum that you seemingly had, uh, if it's there, it's at a very low murmur, and that's a shame. And maybe that's another reason why I asked the Underwood question today. Hell, a year ago, after losing four of your last five, I still thought Brad Underwood, I wish he was more like Brett Bielema. I still like things Brett Bielema is doing. And I think there are factors at play outside of just Brett Bielema, like the fact that Illinois as a football program doesn't have a lot of cachet, historically or now. But boy, does it feel like a missed opportunity. To Brad Underwood's credit, losing to Loyola, for example, could have been a massive missed opportunity and all the momentum could have just fizzled. And then you lose your assistant coaches and then you lose Adam Miller and then you might lose Kofi Coburn. I mean, that was a scary couple months. And then what do you do? You win the Big Ten title the next year. That is grabbing momentum when it was maybe about to slip away. And maybe Bielema can do that this year, too. It's not like there's no talent on the team. It's not like you have no options at quarterback or the important positions. But I do think it's interesting that I'm, I'm kind of calling myself out here. Last year in April, when Karen and I went to the Gordyville thing, because Izzo was up there, so she wanted to meet him. And I was really kind of down on the Underwood thing. I felt like, I don't know where this thing's going. I don't feel great about it. And then Bielema was there. And I was like, oh, but Brett Bielema is here. And I again, I'm still a fan. But darn it, Brett. <laughs> Did we miss an opportunity here? That's the question I have today. But not just not just today. It's not just losing Charlie Bulin or Bolin, whatever, to an NFL gig. It's not just that. Or losing Josiah Knight to Mississippi State, a guy that was an early enrollee. Or not really getting any of the, the meaningful Illinois recruits in the 2024-25 class. In the state of Illinois. I mean, all those things collectively, though, they kind of add up. And I just don't know where this thing's going. And it just feels kind of like stuck in neutral. And meanwhile, basketball, even though you're losing a lot after this year, it feels like you've seen enough to think, okay, I think he can overcome that. I think Brad can overcome that. One from K. Andrew about that. Bielma has shaken my confidence since kickoff of the Toledo game in a year. Um, let's see. Once I want to make sure I'm reading this. Oh, let me read this again, K. Andrew. There's This is what's so frustrating. Freaking YouTube has this emoji thing in the chat window, and sometimes it cuts off words, and I can't read the full message. That's what they call a first-world problem. From K. Andrew, Bielma has shaken my confidence since kickoff of the Toledo game last year on a Tom Cruise and cocktail level. I get it. Shaken like a cocktail. Great 80s movie, and by great, not not actually good, but certainly entertaining. Cocktail. Okay, we got a game on Saturday, a big one, at Michigan State. I like the matchup. I feel confident going into it. I like this team on the road. I like this team on the road more than at home. I don't know why that is. It just seems like at home, I don't know if they pucker up or what. You know, the funny thing about the Nebraska game is that I thought we played well in the second half on the whole. And I thought we probably got Nebraska's best shot. 
And that Tominaga was just unconscious. I mean, we were contesting some of those. Some of those were like 30-foot freaking three-pointers. What are you going to do? There were at least three of those that he made that you just say, well, what the hell? What are you going to do? The choke job, I think, understandably and rightfully, is making people a little bit nervous, right? You won in overtime. You played well in overtime. You played well for 17 minutes of the second half. I thought the energy was back. Offensively, I have zero concerns about this team. Or if I have a concern, it's minute and nothing that they can't address because they got guys that can score in a myriad of ways. Defensively, yes, I am still concerned. But as far as the Michigan State-Illinois matchup and why I like it on the whole, Michigan State loses last night to Minnesota. And of course, the initial reaction from even myself and I'm sure a lot of Illini fans is, oh, great, now we're going to get a pissed off Michigan State team. The question I ask you is, how good is Michigan State? Really? Tyson Walker is a really good player. And A.J. Hogard seems to always do well against this. Bigger guard that takes it to the rim, good mid-range game. Never really seen Jay Nakins do a whole lot against Illinois, but as we saw last night, the guy can shoot. They have good guards. They do. And Malik Hall is the, the wild card. He is a very good player when he wants to be, and most recently he has been the last month. So that's pretty good. There's just one problem with Michigan State. They don't have a front court at all. The concerns that we've had with Coleman going against Cliff O'Murray or with Rank Mast, who actually I thought Coleman did okay against Rank Mast. Mast was Mast is a really good player. Nebraska's going to be okay next year with Mass coming back alone and then building around him. He's really good. Or with uh, Reese from Maryland, right? Those guys have had field days down low because it's just been, for whatever reason, not a great matchup one-on-one for Coleman. Not so worried about that with Matty Sissoko or Chris Cooper or Xavier Booker, if I'm getting the name right, the five-star freshman who's not done anything this year. Their front court stinks, and you've got enough size in the backcourt. And now with Terrence back to at least defend well against an A.J. Hogard who's got the body. Or if Tyson gets on a heater. You know, you got a Ty Rogers and a Terrence Shannon Jr. that can shadow those two guys. And you hope DeMass can kind of keep Aikens in front of him. But I do like the fact that you have size and that, yes, Michigan State, with their speed and their quickness in the backcourt, they're going to get to the rim a few times, and and you're going to think, "Uh uh-oh, not again, right? Understandably. And we saw that last year with Michigan State. They didn't make a three in that game last year at State Farm Center, and it was close as heck until Matthew Meyer went crazy. Why? Because they were getting to the rim, and they were shooting unconscious from 15 feet and in, mid-range and in. I could see that happening again. That can get really frustrating if they keep doing it. But when we talk about the numbers game with Underwood and the way that he often has that defense, guard the three, the two's okay. I think that over the course of a 40-minute game with your offense against Michigan State, that can bode well. Now, it could be that Michigan State comes out, guns blazing, they got to win this game. And yeah, guess what? They kind of they have to. I mean, they're probably still a tournament team. Minnesota probably working their way up the net rankings because they keep winning. How about that? Minnesota. I'm glad we are not going to the barn this year. They're coming here. That place has been tricky for opponents. Wisconsin damn near lost there. Michigan State did. Northwestern lost there. Working out okay for us as far as scheduling. Not playing at Nebraska or Minnesota. Who would have thought it? But as I look at this matchup, 
I am encouraged overall and think that there are aspects of this matchup that we can exploit and that over the course of a 40-minute game, I, I just like the way these two teams stack up in Illinois' favor. I really do. And the way that Illinois has been playing against Michigan State of late. The game a month ago was awesome. It was a great game. Michigan State brought it. And sure, it was after a loss in Northwestern. They brought it. We didn't have Terrence. If this were the first or second game back with Terrence, I think you'd get a very Northwestern-like result. You know, you just aren't quite together. But because we're getting a little bit more back to where this team was in late November when they were finally on the upswing and the game at, at Rutgers or, you know, Florida Atlantic, and I know at Tennessee didn't quite work out, but I think Tennessee is a much better team than Michigan State. This is a game that you can win. I'd go so far as to say it's just above a, a coin flip. I, I think there's a good 60% shot Illinois wins this game. Losing it would not be hugely detrimental, but winning it would feel really good for the thing that I'm ultimately kind of chasing. You ready for it? What I'm chasing, a three seed in the NCAA tournament. A three seed. Why? I'd like to stay up the 4-5 line. I'd like to, if at all possible, if you make the second weekend, avoid a one seed. Because I think the one seeds, the Houstons, the Purdue's, the Kansases working their way up there, North Carolinas of the world, they're legit one seeds. I'd like to avoid them. I'll take another shot at Tennessee, a likely two seed in the third round if, if I had my choice. So I'm gunning for that three seed. And because of that, I think you need to win two out of the three games between at Michigan State, Purdue at home, at Wisconsin. You got to win two out of those three and not stub your toe too much elsewhere. They do that. I think they they move up from the four line, even though they're already on the three line in some of these bracketology sites. And I would just, I'd feel really good about that. It's one of the few quality wins you have left remaining. There's the Big Ten tournament, but how many times have we seen the Big Ten tournament doesn't mean a damn thing in terms of seeding. They got that bracket basically figured out. They're just working on bubble teams. So, that is why it's a big game. I hope that afterwards, Karen and I can go out on the town and I'll have that online I win percolating in the back of my head. But if they don't, it won't be a disaster. But I feel good. I don't know. This Michigan State-Illinois matchup has tended to go well for Illinois in the last three years after a long period of time where it didn't go well. I mean, you can go back to the COVID, the pre-COVID year. So 2020 month before COVID happened, you had a big game at Michigan State against Michigan State at home after the Friday night loss to Maryland. And it was a crazy comeback for Illinois. Kofi makes both free throws. Oh my God, we're going to win. Michigan State gets a put-back dunk. Io looks like he completely blows out his knee. Everyone walks out the State Farm Center like a family member died. The next year, the COVID year, where you're playing in front of nobody, Maddie Sissoko explodes Io's face. But ever since then, you've won. And I think you've looked good in a lot of those games. Against, hey, good Michigan State teams. Even though they are not great, they are certifiably not a great team, they have enough talent to be good. And with Tom Izzo, yep, they're going to bring it. Expect that. Don't expect anything but a close game. And just hope that you got the guys to make the plays at the end to win it. It's going to be fun. I'm excited to go to a different environment and want to win. Don't need it, but boy, would I like it. Okay, a couple more things here in the chat thread before we dip. Illinois, is this right? 
Woody says Illinois' three-point shooting percentage is about 10% better on the road. Wow. Uh, that wouldn't actually shock me. And I think about how they've shot at Michigan, at Ohio State. Even the at Northwestern game, they shot pretty well. Uh, My Red Pillow says, in order to get an Elite Eight or further, Illinois probably has to hope their booty ball offense catches each and every team by surprise, and they just don't have the time between games to prepare for it. You know, what I kind of like about the booty ball offense, My Red Pillow, is it, it just it simplifies it. It just really comes down to, can Marcus make a play? And he often does. And I think that as we go through the next month, you're going to see guys like Ty and Quincy get even better at cutting. I think Terrence will find a way to adapt into that booty ball mode as well. And hey, I mean, here's the deal. If you get two games in the NCAA tournament where you're shooting well, you're going the Sweet 16, even with this defense. If you got two games in the NCAA tournament where you shoot well, you're going the Sweet 16. I'm pretty confident in saying that. Now, the defense as it stands right now is not enough to help you make a truly deep run. Because when you play the twos and the ones, you're going to need to be a little bit better than the like 90th best defense in the last month. I'd like to think that starts on Saturday against a Michigan State team that had some issues at Minnesota. Not sure if it will, but you know we, we do. that is the one area of this team that we're going to be focusing on, I think, is defense. Booty ball, the offense, love it. It's working great. Uh, I... I Every time we go down the court, I feel like we're going to score. And extended slumps are very rare. Like the last three minutes of that regulation against Nebraska, that was rare. Uh, we don't see that very much. And that's a credit to Underwood, but also these players are just really good on offense. So just, you know, match that on defense. Play time more. We saw that. That was great to see. I think that they will find their way to mixing and matching lineups that can maximize defense while not losing a thing on offense. All right, one more here from AO. Can we swap Underwood and Painter for March only? Painter needs toughness. Purdue needs toughness in D, and Illinois need, needs X's and O's in offense so bad. Yeah, the, I mean, those are two areas where those coaches are both very strong. I mean, the one thing is I think that Illinois X's and O's on offense, even though it has been simplified this year, I, I mean, I think, they're, I think Underwood's doing just fine. I, again, I appreciate his ability to be flexible based on the talent around him. You know, defensively, you said Purdue needs toughness in D. Yeah, I mean, we got toughness. We don't really have D right now. I don't know. AO, at the end of the day, Matt Painter is a great coach. He has made an Elite Eight. He has made a Sweet 16. I think they'll make a Final Four this year. And I know it's a crapshoot tournament, but th this Purdue team, Jesus. Zach Eady was not that good against Wisconsin, and it didn't matter. He was not that good. Braden Smith is a phenomenal point guard. Lance Jones is not just like some tough transfer from SIU. He's only a notch or two below Marcus Damask in terms of offensive production. He's really good. Fletcher Lawyer, yeah, he's good. And then they got bruisers like uh, Gillis and Kaufman Wren to help out down low as well. I mean, they're, they're stacked. And on a game where Edie is lights out, they aren't losing because they actually have a backcourt now that can compete. All right, well, hey, we made an hour. That's pretty good for a midweek podcast. I appreciate you all uh, for the few that tuned in. We got like 22 right now. Jeez. On a random uh, podcast. Not my best hair day. I don't know what the heck's going on with that, so I apologize for the viewers out there. Maybe the Twitter folk will make fun of me for it. That's that's one of the few things they attack me on. Well, not one of the few. I mean, depending on what I tweet out. Man, they can be merciless, but the hair thing's never going to bother me. Bring it. I love my shark fin. 
My students, they think it's kind of cool. It's kind of like the calling card. But we will not be back this weekend. We're going to be in East Lansing for the game on Saturday, Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. There's a game Tuesday, so maybe we do a Monday podcast, but it might be a little bit before we get back. Certainly the second half of Michigan reaction after that. But uh, regardless, I'll be tweeting from East Lansing a little bit, and hopefully it will be a memorable game in favor of Illinois. And I feel optimistic about it, and that would be a big boon for their tournament resume. And a big loss for Michigan State, too. They, they can't really afford it. All right, before we get out of here, DP Doe, I'm on a dpdoe.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. State Farm Agent Brian Hansen, online at brianismyguy.com. And finally, Owen Builders, LLC, online at owenbuildersllc.com. Also, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate them as well. All right, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the game Saturday. Nationally televised, CBS, 1 p.m. Central. We got to wake up bright and early to get to East Lansing. Four and a half hour trip. And uh, I'll try to bring a win back for you. See you soon, everybody. It is the 200 level.